0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, I wanna talk about something that is so important to each one of our lives because it literally should consume about one-third of our lifetime, and that is sleeping. I, even as a physician, have made sleep so unimportant throughout my life. When we spend one-third of our life doing something Don't you think we should elevate that to possibly the most important thing to think about? And I want to talk to you about that. As someone who's had a lifetime of difficulty with sleep, starting as a teenager, I would routinely sleep for four hours because I would stay up till midnight studying and get up at 4 a.m. and hit the books again. And then medical school in those days was very much a, a kind of a sleep when you're dead type situation. We would be valued higher if we could stay awake longer and staying awake all night in the library and studying for three days with just a big giant thing of coffee. That was considered to be cool in my cohort. I hope it's changed a bit now. And then of course, practicing obstetrics until quite recently, we routinely would work for 36 hours straight, which makes no sense really, because you can imagine that after 36 hours, you certainly are not operating at your optimal level. And luckily that culture has started to change. But just to say, I know all about not sleeping. And then right when I had time to sleep, when I had children that were older and I was no longer delivering babies, I went through menopause. And menopause is a whole nother hit on our sleep because of hormonal change. So, Now that I'm a little bit older, I want to tell you that I am now sleeping for seven to nine hours a night. And if you think that sounds impossible for you, I can tell you if anyone had told me a few years ago that I would ever sleep for an average of seven to nine hours a night, I would think they were absolutely crazy. So if I can do it, anyone can do it, I promise you. And I'm going to share some of the secrets that I've learned about sleep and how to improve it because you can too and it's possibly the most important thing that we can do for our health. Now, I'm talking about weight management, about eating healthy foods, about exercise, about sexual function and all of these things on this YouTube channel, but possibly more important than all of those is sleep. So let's talk about that just for a moment. So going back to the basics, let's talk about the stages of sleep. Because we might lie down and be unconscious for eight hours, but what happens during that eight hours or whatever time period we have is really critical. So one stage of sleep and wakefulness, of course, is being awake. Let's just call that stage number one. We're awake, and then once we fall asleep, there are three stages of sleep. One is light sleep, one is deep sleep, And one is REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, which is also the dreaming state. And I want to talk to you about each one of those three states and how much time we ideally would spend in each one of those states, how to track it and how to improve it. Because there are things that we can actually do to make it better so that we feel more refreshed and have all of the health benefits of sleep. The following day and for the rest of our lives. First of all, how can we track what's happening while we're asleep? Well, I am a big fan of this little device that I have on my finger called the Aura Ring, O-U-R-A. I'll put the link to that below. I'm not paid by these folks, but I have been using it now for quite some time, and I have found that it is incredibly useful. The Aura Ring, similar to other devices like your Apple Watch or other similar type devices, can Track what stage of sleep you're in during the night and also track other data, like how long it takes you to go to sleep. That's called sleep latency. What your sleep efficiency is, that is how much of the time that you're lying in bed you are actually sleeping and how much time you're awake. What your oxygen saturation is, for example, if you have sleep apnea and you're not breathing well and your oxygen is dropping, that's going to dramatically affect the quality of your sleep. How much movement is going on during your sleep? Ideally, we want to have a fairly restful sleep. So all of that data is very important. And one of the most important pieces of data is what your heart rate is while you're sleeping. Ideally, your heart rate will slowly drop during the night while you're sleeping. It will get down to its lowest point right before you start to wake up, and then it will come up slowly. And so that hammock shape of heart rate is associated with the best sleep and optimal health and other heart rate patterns are less ideal. So you can see all of that data when you have one of these devices. And I think it's incredibly useful because there are actually things that you can do to make it better. So I recommend that everybody who has trouble with sleep get one of these things. I've just found it incredibly helpful. So this aura Ring is unique in that it only has to charge for about five minutes a day. So it's very easy to wear it all night. Whereas one of the issues with an Apple Watch I know is that you have to charge it. However, any of those things work. Suffice to say, I think it's very important to find out what's going on while we're asleep so we can optimize it just like we might wear a heart rate measurement device when we're exercising or something that measures our steps, or all of those things that we like to do, counting grams of protein, counting grams of carbohydrates. It's all important information, right? But what we're doing while we're sleeping is perhaps the most important piece of information that many of us are not capturing. So coming back to those sleep states, let's talk a little bit about what happens during each of those. Uh, Of course, light sleep speaks for itself. When we first fall asleep, We're in a light sleep state where we could be woken quite easily. All of us know what that feels like. We actually spend the great majority of the night in light sleep, and that is appropriate. Shortly after we fall asleep, we drop into what's called rapid eye movement sleep or REM sleep, which is the dreaming state. And we all know what that feels like, right? When you're just drifting off to sleep, you start dreaming. You're not sure if you're really in the current place or in a dream state, you might wake up and remember that, but dreams uh, are not stored in our memory, so they pass through very quickly. But all of us know what it's like to wake up and recognize that we were dreaming. That is the REM state. And rapid eye movement is a very interesting phenomenon that happens while we're dreaming. If you have dogs, you'll see that they do this too. And they might be wagging, you know, moving their legs or sort of semi-barking, which is one of my favorite things to watch my dogs doing. But we do that too. If you watch someone who's dreaming, you're going to see behind their eyelids that their eyes are moving back and forth very quickly. And during REM sleep, which is usually only about 10 to 30% of our sleep, so about an hour or two a night, we are actually processing emotions. Um, Improved REM sleep helps with creativity, with memory, with problem solving, It's a way that we process emotional material and keep our brains healthy for the following day so it's critical to get enough REM sleep now later on in the night we'll fall into deep sleep so in deep sleep naturally we all remember or we've had partners or children that are very hard to wake up they're they're really deeply asleep and that might only be an hour or two a night it's only 10 to 30 percent of our sleep But it's critical that we get into deep sleep because that is the time that's restorative for our brain and our muscles. When we're in deep sleep, our brains are restoring all of the cells that have been damaged from the previous day. Our muscles are doing the same thing. Our heart rate drops to its slowest rate. Our blood pressure drops. And all of our energy is focused on restoration. So having enough deep sleep is critical, even though it's only one to two hours a night on average. And then the rest of the night is light sleep. And we actually cycle through this several times during a night. When you have a device like this, you'll see that you go from light sleep to rum, to deep sleep, back up again, back down again. And it so it goes, and maybe three to five cycles throughout the night. And that is healthy and allows us to wake up feeling restored. Now, I can tell you, I have very little experience with waking up feeling restored Until quite recently, now that I'm in a time of life when I can allow eight hours to sleep, that's the first step. We've got to make the time to do it. And then we've got to put some interventions in place that maximize the chances that we're going to get the best sleep. Now, most of us know what those are, but I'm gonna talk to you about those anyway, because even though it's intuitive, many of us don't do them, including me, until recently. And I'm really trying to do those now partly because I like it when I get good data from my ring. These things can be incredibly helpful just to give us an accountability partner. And when I wake up in the morning and look at what it says, maybe I have a pretty good idea that it's going to say that I had a really good sleep or I didn't. But importantly, I can use that data to make changes for the following night. So I'm gonna put on the screen an example from last night of my sleep data. And as you'll be able to see, I actually got more than eight hours sleep. I hit all of the metrics that I wanted to for REM sleep and deep sleep, for sleep efficiency, sleep latency. It's so exciting. And again, if I can do it as possibly one of the world's worst sleepers historically, you can do it too. So what are the things that we can do to improve our sleep? So first of all, we've got to allow the time. Block out eight hours of time and make it sacred. So for me, 10.30 to 6.30 is generally my sleep time. Sometimes I get up earlier and I need to shift things backwards, but whatever that time is, make it sacred. There are times that I might stay up later or get up earlier, but in general, that is my sleeping time. And I'm gonna make it sacred and put that first. So that's number one. Number two is not eating too late at night. Now, there's lots of reasons to do that. We've talked about that in terms of maintaining weight. But when we eat late at night, for example, if we eat a bunch of sugar in particular and then lie down to go to sleep, our body is going to be deviating its energy towards metabolizing food. Our cortisol is going to remain high. Of course, our blood sugar is going to remain high and we're not going to fall into that deep restorative sleep. If we do go to sleep, we're likely going to wake up very early when our blood sugar drops or when our alcohol level drops. So also limiting alcohol two hours before bed is really important for sleep, especially as we get older. Now, when I was in college, I could drink a bottle of wine and go to sleep and stay asleep for 10 hours. But most of us know, as we get older, our relationship with alcohol changes and drinking wine or other forms of alcohol, close to bedtime is incredibly disruptive for sleep. I have actually done an experiment or many of them with this ring, drinking alcohol and not drinking alcohol. And I will directly see a correlation between the number of hours of deep sleep that I get. Even if I sleep through the night, I'm not getting that deep restorative sleep if I've been drinking at least two hours before bed. So Not eating late, not drinking alcohol, not exercising late at night. Now, I used to exercise right before bed. Uh, That was the time that I allowed myself to do it. But if we can exercise earlier in the day, that's going to allow our heart rate to be lower at bedtime. And a lower heart rate at bedtime is great for deep sleep. In fact, we want our heart rate to drop throughout the night and then to be the lowest during deep sleep. And the lowest heart rate that we get to, our resting heart rate during sleep, can directly show us how we're recovering from our exercise. In fact, this ring and other devices that track sleep will tell you if your heart rate was too high during the night that you need to take a day off. Because we can actually exercise too much, and I've been guilty of that, so that we're never in a deep restful state. We're not restoring our body and rust is a critical part of any exercise program. And even the most highly trained athletes know that rust and recovery is a critical part of their exercise cycle. And if your heart rate's remaining high, you've gotta take some time off, take a break and rust. So measuring your resting heart rate at nighttime is really useful, because it can tell you if you need to take a break. Now, we've talked about cortisol before. Uh, Cortisol is a stress hormone. And ideally, it's very low during the night because we're relaxed, calm, sleeping. Comes up as we get ready to wake up. And then it's higher during the day and comes down again at night. But if we're going to bed with high blood sugar, high alcohol, high stress levels, our cortisol is going to remain high that's not only gonna prevent us from getting into a deep sleep, but it's also going to allow us to store fat more efficiently. And many of us know that cortisol elevation is associated with weight gain. And not surprisingly, there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that we spend sleeping and our ability to burn fat, and that is related to cortisol levels. So simply sleeping better not only lowers our cortisol, but allows us to metabolize fat more efficiently. So there are so many reasons to put some effort into figuring out how to sleep better. Now this is no surprise and most of us have read it or most of us know it, but blue light that comes from phones and computers is very disruptive to sleep. So getting rid of any type of screen that has blue light or if you absolutely have to do it because your work depends on it, using some blue light glasses to prevent that light from affecting our brain for at least two hours before sleep is really important. And if you could take your phone out of the bedroom, just make one commitment to leave your phone in the kitchen, get an alarm clock, not buying that you need your phone to wake up. You absolutely don't. They make $10 digital alarm clocks. Leave your phone outside the room, keep the TV in the living room. Don't make your bedroom your workspace. Keep the computer out of the bedroom. Most of us know all these things, but very few of us do them. If you just try that for a week or two, I bet you lunch that you will sleep better. It just happens because blue light is bad for our brains, keeps our brains very active, keeps our cortisol high, and it's very difficult to get into that deep, restful sleep. Also, some really good studies about having the room very dark and quite cold. In fact, the optimal temperature for sleep is 68 degrees. Now I live in Houston and that would be incredibly expensive to keep your house at 68 degrees, but suffice to say a cooler room and a darker room is more conducive to getting into longer periods of deep sleep. So 68 might be a little impractical if you live somewhere where it's hundred degrees half of the year, like here, but keep it cool. Now that brings me to menopause, which independently can screw up your sleep for several reasons, even if you were doing all of those other things. When we're perimenopausal and menopausal, as we all know now, if you follow me, our progesterone and our estrogen drop to levels that are probably very close to zero. Progesterone is critical for sleep. So even when we're perimenopausal and we're still making estrogen, many of us have disrupted sleep. And it frequently looks like falling asleep very quickly. So I'll sleep latency may be just fine. But we wake up early in the morning. So I would fall asleep in two minutes because I was so tired. And then I would wake up at 1:30 and be awake for two or three hours and then finally fall asleep again right before the alarm clock went off. So if I had been wearing a device like this, it would have shown me that I was not getting any deep sleep or very, very little. And certainly that disruption in sleep led to way fewer hours of sleeping total. Over time, when we do that night after night, our cortisol's high, our moods are affected, we're gaining weight, our sex drive is depleted. It's terrible. So replacing progesterone is really helpful for sleep. Now, when estrogen's low and we're waking up with hot flashes and night sweats, that's an independent reason to be not sleeping. So we need to address both of those. Waking up soaking wet, oh my gosh, that was absolutely the worst thing ever. My clothes would be wet, my sheets would be wet, then I'm freezing cold, I've gotta go sleep in the guest room. By now the whole family's awake. I mean, just a mess. So doing that night after night is no joke. We have to correct that. So estrogen and progesterone are really important along with the other things that I've mentioned for sleep. If we're in this particular time of life when our hormones are depleted, And testosterone, always to put a plug in for that very important third hormone, also is very beneficial for sleep. I've got a number of patients, and I was actually one of them, who took estrogen and progesterone for quite some time. You know, sleep was improved, but it wasn't fantastic. And then adding testosterone made a huge difference. So just to put that in your minds. Again, another plug for one of the many reasons why hormone replacement is beneficial for our health. So what are the other benefits of sleep? If I haven't given you enough reasons to try really hard to sleep well and focusing on that, the American Heart Association actually recently added not sleeping well as an independent risk factor for heart disease, which I think is amazing. When we don't sleep well, it increases our risk for heart disease, also for diabetes, and as a result of those two things, affects our longevity. Not only that, but It can be associated with Alzheimer's disease because not sleeping enough, we're not able to regenerate our brain cells. So if I didn't give you enough reason to sleep well already, reducing the risk of heart disease, diabetes, and Alzheimer's sounds pretty good. Also some really great evidence that sleeping well improves our immune function. And I love this idea that remember when you have a cold, usually the symptoms are worse at night, right? You get you feel pretty good during the day, at night, and in the morning, you feel terrible again. When we have the flu or something similar or COVID, we generally get fevers at night. And why is that? It's because our immune system is really active at night. Our immune system is trying to fight off those viruses or bacterial infections. And so at night is when that is most critically happening. And that's why we experience most of our symptoms from illness at night. It makes perfect sense. But sleeping well is critical so that our immune system can function properly. So if you're not sleeping, you're going to get more illnesses. In fact, a recent study showed that people who slept less than six hours a night were 40% more likely to get a cold. Now, that might not be the end of the world, but you can imagine how that trickles down into other diseases. So there are so many benefits to sleeping well, and all of us know it. So I have a challenge for you. And that is to spend some time thinking about why you don't make this more important. Maybe this should be the most important thing for you to think about because one third of your life, what else do we spend one third of our life doing? Invest in an aura ring, O-U-R-A or something similar, and study how much you're sleeping. Study how much you're spending in each one of those critical sleep cycles, and then take the interventions necessary to improve it And you will not only improve your quality of life, but also your longevity. If you learned something today, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends. And I can't wait to see you next week.